your card. Uh, so if you would stand with me, we're just gonna uh, have a brief time of prayer for those in our lives that don't know Jesus uh, and just agree with us in prayer. who you are, yes. and despite who we are, despite our failures, you've pursued us, and you've saved us, and you've rescued us because you love us, and I thank you for that, first of all, that we in this house profess you as Savior yes. and will live in eternity with you, yes. but God, there are so many missing, and just like there were people that prayed for me, I pray for them. And as a church this year, I hope that you will motivate our hearts to be moved for the lost, yes. whether it's in our families, our homes, our workplaces, mm. wherever it may be, I pray that you'll take the scales off our eyes, the plugs out of our ears, help us to just be sensitive to the things that you are sensitive to. God, the church is amazing. But the most amazing part of it is that you say with faith we can move mountains. And I pray that this year spiritual mountains will be moved. Yes. Please, God, give us boldness. Yes. If there's sin in our lives that's keeping us from hearing your voice, please help us to remove it. Yes. Whatever the barriers are, God, I pray that you'll knock them down as you always do. Just move your church so that it will grow and expand and so that the multitude of people, the multitude of nations will one day feast together in your kingdom. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just come to you this morning and we just declare that your hand is not too short to save. Yes. Nor your ear too, di too dull to hear, Father. So we come to you this morning, God, just asking for all those people in our, our lives that are lost. We all know someone, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we would be bold for you. But God, I pray right now for those lost souls, Lord. They are lost and they are looking. And I pray that you would show yourself to them, Lord, like you've never shown yourself to them before. God, your voice would be louder than the voice of the enemy. That the sin that they live in, God, they wouldn't like it anymore. Yes. God, that they would absolutely be sickened by it. That they would grieve over the things that you grieve over, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would soften their hearts, turn their hearts of stone into a heart of flesh, God, so that you can prick it. Lord, we know that you died on the cross and the power of sin was finished that day. That your blood covers it all. Yes. So we claim that promise today, God, that you are able to do above and exceedingly beyond what we could ever think, ask, or imagine. So let us walk in that confidence, God, that you've called us to do is pray and intercede and stand in the gap for those that can't do it themselves, Father. Let your, your presence be felt all around, God. Give us assurance, God, that this year we proclaim that sin and death over those people, Lord, that are lost is gone. That they are going to be brought to new life. Father, we declare that because you died to seek and to save. So, Father, we're going to stand in confidence today and believe, God, that this year is the year of rebirth. God, that those that are lost will be found. God, we are believing that you have already done it. 
We ask, Father, right now in the name of Jesus that Satan has to flee. Those that he has tormented, those that he has just absolutely got a grip on, we proclaim right now in the name of Jesus that Satan has to leave. He is no longer allowed around those people who are lost. But God, they would make room for you. Reach to the depths of their souls, Lord, in places they don't even know are broken and dark. And light those areas up, God. Help us, Lord, to just represent you well. Help us to be bold and to stand before them with love. Build relationships with those people, Lord, that maybe we wouldn't normally build a relationship with. And be the hands and feet of Jesus to them, Lord. We give you praise and honor and glory because you are God above it all. And we just praise you in your name. Pray with me. Just suppose I prayed a prayer like this. Father, I pray to be eager to ask people about their faith journey. Then suppose he answered me and said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. And I said, Lord, it's not that I don't care about the loss, but I'm going somewhere and I'm in a hurry, and I just can't be late. And, and I know, I'm sure, that if they were to ask me and challenge me, I, I wouldn't know what to say. And Lord, if they asked me about the Bible, I wouldn't know how to answer them. Then I hear Jesus say, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious about what you're about to say or to speak. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And I pause and I pray. Lord, I receive that adventure. I pray to be quickened and emboldened by your Holy Spirit to break through my fears and ask them about their faith journey. Father, give me courage. I'm confident this is what you want. Help me reach out to these people, Lord, on my card. Holy Ghost, I pray, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you would that you would hear us, God, as we are just agreeing together. Lord, for the names on our cards, God, each of us have so many different names and different people, family members, friends, spouses, co-workers, classmates. But Lord, we just pray that you would use us however you see fit to be a vessel. And, and God, maybe even the reason that they are in our life and we're in theirs is because perhaps you want to use us to be a light to them, to bring the gospel to them. And God, if that be your will, then help us to see it. Help us to be faithful. 
with every opportunity. God, I pray you help us to receive your word this morning. Help us to be obedient. Help us not just to be hearers only, but doers of the word. God, no longer would we just hear a great message and go about our day and forget it, God. Would you do something? Penetrate our hearts. Would you break through any barriers we have? Would you break through our slumberness, our laziness, our complacency, God, whatever it is that would keep us in a place of just ineffectiveness towards your kingdom, God, break through that. Let this be a year of mighty work, kingdom advancing, souls becoming saved, the kingdom of darkness shrinking, the kingdom of light increasing. God, let us be an example to this community of what it means to lay our lives down for the glory of God. Help us, God. We need your help desperately. God, everything in our lives that are not of you, everything that is like a demonic pacifier that just numbs us back to sleep, God, we reject that. We lay it down now. God, would you light a fire in us? Like Melissa prayed, would you, would you create a holy just dissatisfaction in us? What we used to love, God, would you help us to not love it anymore? If it is sin, if it's just not good, God, help us to lay it down because we want to see your kingdom advance. That's our heart. Help us to be devoted to that. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that only you can do that in us. So we invite you, speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you for praying for us. You may be seated. Yeah. Thank you guys for praying. All right. If you have your Bible today, you can open it up to Colossians chapter 4. Last week, Pastor Ron kicked off a series called Devoted. Everybody say Devoted. Devoted. And so we're going to continue that on. Last week, Pastor Ron kicked it off just saying we should be devoted to prayer, which is why we're in a 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, and it's like Colossians 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And just in case you need it, the word devote in the original language that the Apostle Paul wrote, that word devote, it means to be diligent, to keep, to keep showing up, to constantly come back to. And disciples of Jesus should keep coming back to prayer like we just did. Keep coming back to it, return to it every day. And so that was last week, and today we're going to kind of continue on in the verse. And as Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, it talks about being devoted not only to prayer, but to sharing the gospel with others, to sharing the gospel with others. So let's read it, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. It says, continues, this is the ESV, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer. So another way you could say that is be devoted to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So based on those verses, what we see is we should be devoted not only to prayer, but to sharing the gospel with others. 
And that's what this message is all about. And by the way, earlier in the week or a few days ago, uh, I wasn't feeling well. Uh, I'm feeling better, but I'm having that classic, you know, ripple or whatever, the lingering effects. And one is my voice. So pray for me as I preach. I, I feel like, you know, my voice is there, but it's not all the way there. And if I have to like pause and like clear my voice, have grace for me. And I have it to never have a drink, but I have it here just in case I need it. <coughs> Speaking of it, there you go. So back in 1964, I read this story this week. Let me cough really quick. All right. Make myself take a drink. Back in 1964, there's a story. In a massive apartment complex in New York City, there was a girl named Kitty Genovese. Kitty Genovese, and she was in her apartment, and someone busted in, and, and, her, and she was murdered in her apartment room. Not sure why, but what was interesting about this situation is this was a massive apartment complex. There were tons of people in this apartment complex, and after it happened, dozens of people reported that they heard the screams. They heard the sounds that were happening but almost every single person, again, dozens and dozens of people, said that they assumed somebody else would do something about it. So a group of psychologists heard about this situation, and they began to study it, and they realized that this was a common reality with people. And they concluded that the more people present in an emergent situation, the less likely anyone will do anything about it. This was their conclusion. More people present, the less likely anybody does anything about it if it's an emergent situation. Why? Because everybody assumes somebody else is going to do something about it. So they turn away or they ignore the situation altogether. So this was back in the 60s. The group of psychologists who studied this, they, popular, they popularized this idea called the bystander effect. The bystander effect. <coughs> And so I wonder, with that in mind, I wonder if when it comes to sharing the gospel and evangelizing to other people, if a bystander effect has crept into the church without us meaning to. There's an emergent situation happening right now. As we sit here in the four walls of the church, and obviously, gathering together is necessary. It's God's design, the corporate gathering of the saints to worship him. This is his design. But there's an emergent situation happening right now. And it's that people that we may even know and love, people that we don't know, are, are separated from God in the kingdom of darkness. And if they pass away, or that many are passing away, even as we speak, are dying and spending an eternity separated from God in hell. And we carry the gospel. The good news that, like we just prayed, that Jesus would die in our place. That he would make a way for us to be reconciled. It's an emergent situation that God has given us the task to reach those people. And I wonder 
if a bystander effect has crept into the churches where we assume, well, we know that there's an emergent situation, but I assume other people are going to do something about it. And by the nature of the bystander effect, if everyone assumes each other are going to do something about it, nobody does anything about it. And so I just wonder, if you examine your own life, has the bystander effect crept into your life when it comes to sharing your faith? Are you passive towards sharing your faith? Do you see your life as your own, to do with as you please, as you coast your way to heaven? Or do you see your life not as your own and see yourself as a vessel in which Jesus wants to use to reach other people? I had this thought this morning, and I don't diminish what I'm about to say, but in the day and age of personality tests and the whole extrovert, introvert, and categories of social capacity and anxieties, I just wonder... Again, those things have their place, but I wonder if we've kind of used those as a crutch to hide behind and an excuse as to why we don't share our faith. You've allowed an answer to a personality test to cause you to excuse why you don't. And my prayer is that if that be the case, that the Spirit of God would meet you in your weakness and that you would depend on the Spirit and that God would help all of us to reject the bystander effect. Amen? <clears throat> I haven't had a problem all day until I got on the stage. <clears throat> so I want to read this. R. Scott Pace, he's a commentator. He wrote on the book of Colossians. And he said this. He said, all too often we continue to ignore the tremendous need for salvation in our communities. <coughs> as we diffuse responsibility and expect others to intervene and engage people with the gospel. While we celebrate God's grace to us in Christ, opportunity is knocking all around us. Yet we often continue to dismiss the severity of others' needs and disregard our responsibility to help. So let that sink in. My heart is that we would examine our lives. We would really ask ourselves, has the bystander effect, has passivity, crept in, and may we all, by the Spirit of God, be encouraged and motivated to see our lives as opportunities to share the gospel. Amen? So, let's go back to Colossians chapter 4. We're just going to kind of study through these verses. Verse 2 says, let me get my bearings. I feel it right here. I don't know why. <clears throat> Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. Thank you. Cough draw to the rescue. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account for which I am in prison. I don't know how to preach with a cough drop, so... <laughs> Pastor Ron's a master. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. <clears throat> I really don't want to be a distraction today. So the Lord help me, please. So when we read these verses, Paul here is asking, he's asking for prayer. 
which is really neat to see as Paul is writing, he is asking the church of Colossae to pray for him. And, and you could think about it. He could ask for anything. He could ask, guys, pray for me that I would be released from this prison. But what he asked for is pray that a door would be opened for the gospel. Don't pray for, you know, me to be comfortable or whatever. Pray that God would just continue to open doors of opportunity to sharing the gospel. And so <clears throat> what he asked for is this phrase that God may open to us a door. And this was a common phrase you see in the New Testament. A, a metaphor of a door. You see it in like Acts 14, 27, where Luke, the author, is writing about how the gospel was taken to the Gentiles. And it said that God had used Paul and Barnabas to, to open a door of faith to the Gentiles. So you see a door open. Paul used it in reference to many opportunities, like sharing the gospel in Ephesus, where he says in 1 Corinthians 16, eight and nine that he's going to stay in Ephesus because a wide door has opened for him for, for ministry. And so what we see here is Paul using this same metaphor of a door, but he's asking for prayer that a, another door would open another door of opportunity. And so what we see is Paul, he's asking. He's not asking to be released from prison. He's asking for more doors of opportunity to come. And so Paul asked them to pray for open doors. And I just want to point out, notice in, in verse 3, <coughs> that God is the one who opens the door. He says, pray that God would open to us a door. What Paul is showing here is that God is the one that opens the door. It's not something you can force your way into. It's not something you can manipulate. It is the Spirit of God that opens the door of opportunity when it comes to sharing our faith. Again, we don't have to force conversations. We don't have to intimidate people. We don't have to emotionally manipulate people to believe. Instead, we can just be faithful. And the day by day, everyday, ordinary opportunities and conversations... If we are faithful and we pray like we just did, we pray that the Lord of the harvest would open doors. If we pray the Lord is faithful to open those doors and our response to when he opens the door is that we be faithful and take the opportunity. This is what we see in Paul. <clears throat> and so my point here is that if Paul prayed for open doors, if he prayed that God would open doors, we should too. Amen? We should pray for open doors every day. I'm encouraging you in this. Make this a part of your everyday morning drive to work or wherever you go. If you stay at home, same thing. Lord, open a door for me today. Open a door for me today with my kids. Open a door for me today with my spouse. Open a door for me today with my coworkers. Open a door for me today with my long-lost family member and rest. Take a deep breath. <sighs> and knowing that God is the one that opens the door. You don't got to force it. You don't got to go kick any doors down. 
God is the one that opens the door, but you got to have the eyes to see it. And that's why we got to pray. So that's, that's the first thing. And can I also add this too? When, when you read a verse, <coughs> I apologize. When you read a verse like this, where Paul is inviting this church into prayer, what he's not doing is like this little, you know, Sunday school prayer where you are very timid. Like the, the language that Paul is using here when he's asking for prayer, he's like, like war prayer, like shout prayer, like big faith prayer, like desperate prayer, like the type of prayer where it's like, God, if you don't do this, we're dead, we're doomed. If you don't open this door, nothing's gonna happen. Like we're desperate for you. A devoted prayer, a desperation. It's like the parable that Jesus talks about of the lady that keeps showing up and knocking on the door almost to the point of being annoying. Lord, we're desperate for you. Would you open this door with my family member? Would you save my kid? Would you save my cousin? Would you save my coworker? It's me again. Knock, knock, knock. And the next day, Lord, it's me again. And the next day, guess who, God? It's me. And guess what I'm praying for? The same thing. This, this type of prayer that Paul is calling for is a desperation. It's not a little, you know, God, it's me. Would you please, please, if you want. It's like, no, God, I'm going to annoy you with this. I'm going to keep bringing this to you. If you don't move, God, I have no hope. It's a desperation kind of prayer. But it's also a faith that has big, it's a, it's a faith of prayer that is like, doesn't doubt that it's not going to happen. So this is the kind of language the, the Apostle Paul was using. Pray that God would open doors. Desperately pray. And may we do the same. It's like when I preach really loud, it like doesn't want to cough. Whenever I bring it back down, I just want to cough. Maybe I should just yell the whole time. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Let's keep reading. Verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account for which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So what Paul is saying is when these doors do open, Pray that I would be bold in preaching the gospel clearly, which is how I ought to. So Paul was asking for prayer that these doors would open because he knew that if they open, he's going to take advantage of it. And what the apostle Paul does, because he's faithful to this, is he preaches this in its entirety. He doesn't just preach this much of it. He preaches the whole thing. And what that means, especially in his context, he knew that if he preached the word of God clearly and explicitly, that he could lose his life for doing that. The apostle Paul knew that if he preached the explicit gospel, the one true clear gospel, that whoever would be listening, it, was, it would most likely offend them. It would make them uncomfortable. And, and I just think for us, a lot of times... In our society, people have a tendency to water down the gospel because the true gospel is offensive. It offends people. 
The true gospel calls people to repent from sin, and that's offensive. The true gospel calls people to give up their lives for the glory of God, and that's offensive to people that love their life. To Paul's listeners, many were Jewish, and the gospel was offensive to them because this gospel welcomed in Gentiles. And that made them angry. To the listeners of Paul that were Gentiles, this gospel called for them to stop worshiping all the other gods. And that was offensive. But Paul, despite that reality, even if it cost him his own life, he was faithful to preaching the gospel clearly, which is how he ought to, like he said. And so my prayer is that we too should be faithful to the gospel when doors open. So not only do doors open, but when they do open, we get to be the carriers of the gospel. And I pray that we would be faithful to the word, that we wouldn't deceive people into a, what's called a false gospel, a gospel that is only half true. We want to preach the gospel in its fullness. And even if people don't like us for it, even if it may make us unpopular, or even if something, God forbid, it does cost us our own life. May we be faithful to the gospel. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. So be faithful to the gospel when the doors open. And then we finish up verses 5 and 6. Where the Apostle Paul now turns his attention to the church of Colossae. He tells them, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. The word outsiders there is in reference to those that do not believe. That we should walk in wisdom around them. And the original language there, when it says, walk in wisdom, making the best use of the time, that could literally be translated Taking advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. Making the best use of those times. Take advantage of every open door that comes your way. May you walk in wisdom and take advantage of those opportunities. So I want you to see this because this, this is what happens with the bystander effect. The bystander effect that I see has crept into the church is that sharing the gospel and evangelizing is for the elite specific few what the apostle paul is doing is he is he is rejecting that he is saying hey don't just pray for me to have open doors guess what you walk in wisdom you walk in wisdom towards outsiders you make the best use of your time let your speech be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person he's saying you're invited into this too Pray for me to have open doors, but guess who else has open doors? You do. You're invited into this. <laughs> Reject the bystander thing in the church. When it comes to sharing your faith, you have a place in this. Now, you may not be necessarily the one going on the streets and evangelizing. If you want to do that, join me. I want to do that more this year. But maybe it's just being faithful to the relationships you find yourself in already. Maybe it's your workplace, your family. Maybe it's the, the coffee shops you frequently go to or the restaurants you frequently go to. Maybe you frequently go there and you've developed relationships with people. 
Maybe that is how you can be faithful. But would you reject this thing that has crept in and saying, well, that's just for the, those guys to share their faith. No, no, no. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're on the team. You're on the team. You're on the evangelism team, whether you want to or not. <laughs> so we're all in this together. And there's so much I could say here. I mean, he, he talks about, let your speech be salty. You know, a lot of people will draw back to, you, you are the salt of the earth. And the Apostle Paul may be drawing to those scriptures, but I really think what he's saying here is, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Meaning, when you present the gospel, the gospel tastes good. The gospel is amazing. Like, if you really, really, truly believe and hear the gospel... It's, it's the best news in the world. I mean, what, what can top that? that? That God himself would sacrifice himself in my place and die for my... He would literally take all of my sin, give me all of his righteousness by faith, by grace, alone. And now that he would call me into his family as a free gift, that I don't have to like, you know, perform my way into heaven. That's amazing. It's the best news ever. Like Peter says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? And if you have, when you're sharing that with others, let them see it. It's salty. It tastes good. When you really hear the gospel, it shouldn't be dull. It should be salty. Your speech with salt. I think that's what the Apostle Paul was getting at. And so on and on we could talk about these verses but at the beginning of this message, I mentioned this bystander effect. And these scriptures directly oppose this tendency. It opposed it to the Colossians. And by the Spirit of God, here we are generations later studying the same verses that those people received with the same message. May we reject that in us. Because we are called in this day and in this hour. Here we are in 2024. And the Lord has a plan for us, and he wants to use us. You've heard this message before. If you've been in church more than a year, if you've grown up in church, if you've been here for months, you've heard this message before. But maybe this time, it wouldn't be like an alarm clock going off that you hit snooze on. Maybe this time you'd get out of bed, and you would really see your life as a vessel in which God can use you to share your faith. And so that is the, the exhortation. That's the heart message. But now there's a few practical, applicable thoughts that I want to share. Based on those verses, here are some things you have to know when it comes to sharing your faith. Number one, we can compel, but we ultimately cannot convince. When it comes to being devoted to sharing your faith, we can compel, but we ultimately cannot convince. Scripture makes it extremely clear that we should move with urgency in sharing the gospel with everyone because we know apart from faith in Jesus, one cannot be saved. However, we can plead with, we can compel others, but we ultimately cannot truly convince them 
This, this is hopefully, if you're hearing this right, this is hopefully a freeing thought. Because so many times when I'm sharing my faith with someone, I'll feel that pressure like, oh, did I say it right? Did I get it right? Ah, oh, dang, I wish I wouldn't have worded it like that. It's my fault. No, no, no. All God is looking for is faithful witnesses to be faithful to this, but ultimately it is the Lord that removes the veil. If we be faithful to our part, we can trust and give him the burden to really break through. Again, this is, I view this as the great paradox of our faith. If you don't know what the word paradox means, it's become one of my favorites to say. Paradox means two statements that seem to contradict, but they actually don't. They're two truths that can coexist. And so the paradox of sharing your faith is that what you say and how you say it matters. The strategy in which you go about sharing your faith, it matters. It matters. The Apostle Paul even says it, that I may preach and share the gospel clearly, which is how I ought to. How you do it, what you say matters. It matters. But God is the, he's ultimately the one that gets the person. What you say matters, how you say it, the tone in which, if you come to someone and start yelling at them, they're most likely not going to listen to you. How you say it, what you say, being faithful to the Bible matters. But God is the one that brings a dead heart to life, that, that brings someone out of the kingdom of darkness into the light. Two truths. Does it matter? Yes. But does God, is God limited by how you do it? No. But does he want you to be accurate? Yes. But is he limited by that? No. <laughs> I heard somebody say a great one of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler. The gospel call that he got was, you're going to hell, Matt. That was it. That's how he got saved. <laughs> you're going to hell, Matt. It's a great gospel presentation. But that's what the Lord used. So like, but is that how we should do it? No. And he even would say, like, that's not, that was a horrible gospel presentation. But praise God that he's not limited by our horrible gospel presentations. So we can compel, and man, we should be committed to compelling very well with salt in our speech, with great strategy, with great environments, having people over our house, being hospitable, grabbing lunch, grabbing coffee, showing up for them in their darkest moments of life. We can compel, but take the pressure off that the convincing belongs to the Lord. <sighs> Take a breath. <laughs> so, we can compel, but we cannot convince. That was very freeing for me when I understood that. Another thought, to being, when it comes to being devoted to sharing your faith, my encouragement is that your testimony... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm laughing at, <clears throat> I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> I'm going to make it. Spirit of God, help me. My encouragement <clears throat> is that your testimony is a great first step in sharing the gospel. Your testimony is a great first step in sharing the gospel. There is so much power 
in sharing your firsthand witness account of how the Lord has done a work in your life. How you have seen the Lord work in your life, how you've seen him carry you through situations. All of your stories are so different, yet the Lord can use your story in sharing it to really bring the gospel to somebody. Now, this takes some crafting, takes some work. Not all of us are just great at winging it and telling our story. Sometimes it takes some man writing it down, getting together with another believer. Let me just share my testimony. Let me, let me kind of work this with you. Obviously, you're not like adding to. I was a drug dealer. and You weren't a drug dealer. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying fluff up your story. What I am saying is crafting how you say it so that you can really just, I don't know, be good at adding the salt. Again, there's a line. I'm not saying manipulate and add to and lie about your story, but sometimes it takes some work. Not all of us are good at just putting language together. And, and I had this thought early this morning too, and I want to say this, and I really hope you hear me. A lot of people, probably most if we're honest, most people may not have a roller coaster testimony. What I mean by that is, well, I was born and my parents split up and I became a drug dealer and then I like killed somebody and I went to prison and then in prison I got saved and I got released and now I like heard the gospel and I meet with angels every day and I'm a that's like a roller coaster. But those are the videos on YouTube that have like a million plus views. Because everybody loves to see how the Lord reaches the most broken, nasty people. The Apostle Paul's testimony, if it was on YouTube, it would have like a billion views. But then you look at your life. And I just grew up in church. And I kind of did a few things, but I... Accepted Christ at an early age. Now what can happen is that that can almost discourage you. I don't have a testimony. God can't use my testimony. I'm not a roller coaster. Now for the roller coaster testimonies, awesome. Share it. Be bold. Allow people to see what the Lord has done. But for most of you, I just want to encourage you. This is on my heart really heavy this morning. Don't be discouraged. Don't think that your story doesn't matter. Because by the way, the testimony is, I mean, the most amazing thing is that God would save us, that we would come from darkness to light. But what else has the Lord carried you through? What other times of brokenness or hardship has the Lord sustained you? And here you are. I just want you to be encouraged in knowing that God can use any one of us and any one of our stories, because all of our stories, they really are the same. We were broken sinners and no hope of being saved. And at some point, the Lord and his grace and mercy came along and saved us. That is all of our stories. And I pray that all of us would be faithful and just testifying to someone, man, I was wicked and sinful because that's what the scripture says. And at three years old, I just came to this reality and I accepted Christ. Wow, that's amazing. And it may not be this long roller coaster, drug dealer, whatever. Share your story because it matters. 
And that's my encouragement. People need that. They need to hear your story because it is a great bridge to relationship and hopefully sharing the gospel with someone. Spent much longer on that point than I intended to, but my voice made it through the whole way. <laughs> Share your story. It matters. My last thought is this. As you proclaim the gospel, would you proclaim the gospel with your life and your words? And is in caps, and that's on purpose. Lives and words. So two categories, with your life. The apostle Paul says, walk in wisdom, be wise. In essence, he was encouraging them to walk in a way that shows that your life corresponds with your words. I cannot stress this enough. In fact, it, if there's a top three list of things that anger me, and I'm going to be honest with you, and I would, I would classify it as a holy anger, a top three list that just oh, enrages me is when people profess Jesus with their words and their life does not match. Now, hear me. We all struggle. We all are being transformed to look like Jesus. We all struggle in sin. We're in this war on sin. And, we, and one day that war will be over. Praise God. We're all fighting for the Lord to transform us. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like deliberate sin. Like I know this is wrong, but I don't care. Like that. And if that's wrong in me, Lord, please help me. But your lifestyle should reflect Jesus. If you were mute and could not talk, could people look at your life and go, oh yeah, they're a believer. Not just with your words, but does your life correlate to that? Again, I'm not talking about what you struggle with. We're all in this war on sin. Please don't hear like a condemning thing if you struggle with sin at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is really analyze, does my life line up with my profession of faith in Christ? And if it doesn't, may you just think about that. Because scripture over and over and over, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. So what that means is, as a Christ follower, we are called to be holy. We are called to profess Christ on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. And then guess what? On the next Sunday and Monday and on and on. It means that I will reject living like the world, reject talking like the world, reject spending my money like the world. I will reject thinking like the world. I will reject working my job like the world because I am not of the world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I am of Christ. Now, what that doesn't mean is that we become monks and live in monasteries and isolate. It's not what I'm saying. People thought that, and that's why monks and monasteries were created. That's not, that's an out of balance thing. But my call is that we just be like Jesus. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Yet he was the perfect lamb that could be slain on the cross. What, th what that means is that he was not stained by sin. He did not conform to sin. Yet he was a friend of sinners. Sinners like to hang out with Jesus. Yet he stood his ground and refused to compromise. May we just do the same. Amen. On and on and on I could go, but I will not. <laughs> but the last part that I have to share is, 
with the way you live your life, you can testify to the gospel, but your words matter. Your words matter. And, and I have this for you to read. It says, apart from a clear explanation of the gospel, people may be inspired to live a more upstanding life, but heart change can only occur as a response to the gospel. Paul says, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. So when people see your life, they shouldn't notice. Again, you're not doing it to be noticed, but indirectly, people should notice the hope you carry. Peter talks about this. When people come and notice the hope you carry, be ready to give a defense. Be ready to explain why it is you live your life the way you do. Why do you work your job with integrity? Why do you work so hard to provide for your family? I saw those guys kind of being shady with that business deal, and you didn't do it. I see how loving you are to your spouse. You had an opportunity over there to go and flirt with that person, but you walked away. On and on, the examples could go, and when someone see it, and they come to you, and they go, why do you do that? Open door. It's because of Jesus. It's because of the gospel. Let me share with you. When the open door comes your way, may we be faithful to share our hope that we carry with people. And your words do matter. Amen. All right. To recap, and then I'm going to have you stand. Look for the doors of opportunity. Only God can bring that door. Look for the doors. For the rest of this year, let's just go one year at a time. In 2024, look for doors of opportunity for the Lord to bring your way. Pray for those doors to open and be faithful to those doors. Live your lives in such a way that proclaim the gospel and be ready to give an account for the hope you carry. And if we can do that, man, we can be a true example of what it looks like to be devoted to sharing the gospel with others. Amen. Are you with me? Stand with me. We made it through. I didn't have much hope there at the beginning, but the cough drop helped. I said this earlier, but you have all most likely heard this message before. <laughs> Share your faith evangelize probably like the 92nd time you've heard this in your life but most of us not all of us because some of you already know you're killing this you're crushing it you are faithful man you evangelize I like watch you and I'm inspired and I'm encouraged by you but some of us again we bystander effect we I'm not, I can't do that I'll, maybe the pastor or maybe the no, all of us are on the evangelism team. And you've heard this message before. And I just pray, maybe this year, straight from the heart of Pastor Ron, this is his heart. He, is, he has been calling all of us to have a heart for the lost. And again, my prayer is that this wouldn't be an alarm that you hit snooze on. But this would maybe by the Spirit be the alarm that wakes you up from that spiritual slumber. And that you would get in the game and, you, and see your life as not your own, but as Christ's. And that you would every day lay your life down and ask the Lord, open a door. 
whatever you want, Lord, I'm gonna be faithful. And I know, God, it'll make me nervous. I'm not naturally good at those scenarios or sharing it even with my kids, but thank you, Lord, that you say, I will be with you. And that's a miracle. One of the last words Jesus said to his disciples, and behold, I will be with you. I will be with you. He is with us, and that should comfort us. So the last thing I want to do, I want to read this, and then I want to pray. Let me read this. I read this this week. It says, as the church, those who are redeemed and have been saved from the grasp of impending death, we cannot continue to stand back as others suffer and ultimately perish without Christ. We cannot read this passage, Colossians, affirm its truth, and roll back over to hit the spiritual snooze button. We must pray for witnessing opportunities and trust the Lord to open doors to share the gospel and to open our hearts with a burden and compassion for the lost. We must also pray for wisdom in these opportunities as we contextualize our engagement with a diplomatic approach in our speech and a discerning awareness of our surroundings. And hear this, when we are faithful to share the good news, both in word and witness, praise God, we can trust the Lord of the harvest to ripen the spiritual fruit and graciously draw people into a loving relationship with him. And I pray that this would be the year that we see this be a reality in our lives. So Lord, I pray for our church. Your word says, like we've heard earlier, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. So God, that's what I pray. Would you raise up more laborers that would see their lives as a vessel in which you want to use to reach people? God, your heart breaks just like ours, for those in our lives that don't know you. Your heart breaks more. You know those people by name. And God, I just pray with my brothers and sisters and the ones here, God, that you would reach those that don't know you and you would use us. Get us out of the way, God. Get our excuses out of the way and use us as vessels to reach them. That's my prayer, God. I pray for open doors. I pray for boldness in my family here to share the truth. I pray for wisdom. God, I pray for favor with people. And I pray, God, that we would just more and more hear the stories and the testimonies of how God used us as we were faithful. And that's what I pray. And God, if there are anybody in the room that does not, if they don't know you, if they are an unbeliever, God, and they see it, and they, and they maybe have been searching for truth, they've been searching for you, God, I pray right now you would speak to them, you would open their hearts, that you would allow them to be open and receptive to the gospel, the good news that says, come to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Come and receive mercy. Come and receive grace from Jesus. God, if anybody in here is away from you, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you just meet them, speak to them, like you did in me all those years ago, like you did in all of us at some point in our life. Would you welcome them into your kingdom? And I pray if anybody here received that, just come and talk to me. Come and talk to me after service. 
I'm, I promise I'm not contagious. But if you want to keep your distance or just like throw me your number, we can do that too. But God, if anybody received that, I pray that they would share with somebody.